This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Thursday, October 15th, 1987. It is now about 17 minutes or 18 minutes before 5 o'clock p.m. With me in my office is Emmanuel Rios, R-I-O-S, who is a witness that I'm going to ask to leave because he is my client that I represent, represented in the past and I'm representing on a case concerning a homicide. Also with me is Machine. Romance. Huh? Romance. Romance, R-M-A-N-C-E. What's your last name? MacArthur. MacArthur? Or MacArthur? M-C, capital A-R-T-H-U-R. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions concerning the homicide. Just answer to the best. The only purpose of this statement is an aid or a tool for me to go make a further investigation. I do not work for the police department, and I do not have your permission to turn this statement over to anyone. Am I correct? Yes. I am doing this solely and completely for the benefit of Emmanuel Rios. Death by Incarceration presents, in association with Crawl Space Media, Injustice, a new wrongful conviction podcast with a focus on advocacy. My name is Spencer Daniels, and I'll be joined every episode by Lisa Spees, Director of Virginians for Judicial Reform. This is a special bonus episode in advance of our first season. Let's get into it. Recently, I had the opportunity to sit down for an interview with Philadelphia District Attorney Candidate A. Charles Peruto to discuss his role in the case we are featuring in Season 1 of Injustice. We had intended to include this as part of the overarching story, but felt we couldn't wait to get this interview out to the public before the November 2nd election, at least the pertinent parts that apply to our case. We hope you'll come back and listen to the whole podcast, but here's the story briefly. On Labor Day weekend, 1987, in the badlands of North Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a young man named Sean Nelson was killed. The murder went unsolved for two years, until another young man, a friend of Nelson's, named Romance MacArthur, who at the time was under indictment for another murder, came forward and named two people, Emmanuel Rios and Angel Rodriguez, as the killers. Here's the problem. Two years earlier, Romance had himself confessed to this murder. That confession was recorded on tape in the office of defense attorney A. Charles Peruto who was representing Emmanuel Rios at the time. During the murder trial against Rios and Rodriguez, who you will hear referred to as June and Spanky, respectively, Peruto was called as a witness for the defense to produce the recording, which could have proved the innocence of the two defendants. However, when Mr. Peruto took the stand, he testified that he had lost the tape. Fast forward to 2021. Earlier this year, the production team for the Injustice podcast received a copy of the taped confession, 
and we are now working to help free June and Spanky. Even after spending 33 years in prison for a crime they did not commit, they have never lost hope and have never wavered on their claims of innocence. I discussed with Mr. Peruto, among other things, the confession, the tape, and what he thinks could be done with Rios and Rodriguez's case today. Let's listen. Now, Lisa and I will provide commentary throughout, and at the end, we'll ask you to weigh in via one of our online polls. Here we go. Hello. Mr. Peruto. Yes. This is Spencer with the Injustice Podcast. Ah, okay. I'm ready. Okay. So far, off to a bad start. I... I was ready to exchange pleasantries, and he just wanted to jump in, almost like he wanted to tell the story while it was still fresh in his mind, like he'd been rehearsing. I realize I'm reading a lot into three words. It's just my feeling. But anyways, I asked him what he remembered about the case. The only thing that uh, makes me – that I will stand out in my mind is I personally interviewed – and by the way, tape-recorded – an interview with a guy that Junior brought to me who I suspected as playing both sides of the case. So I tape recorded him and he was later a Commonwealth witness against Junior claiming that Junior admitted to the killing. So you, so you have the confession um, and then you get called as a witness for the defense yes. and the, the tape had gone missing. So yes. what I'll say what happened to the tape, but I think a better question is where, where, where did the tape ultimately turn up? Okay. Well, this is the most ironic thing in the world. Spoiler alert. I don't think this is irony and I'll play it again from the top, but I also want you to pay attention to the first word out of his mouth. Remember when, what I said about him sounding rehearsed that, okay at the beginning kind of says the same thing to me like okay here's the story I came up with listen okay well this is the most ironic thing in the world I had a cleaning service because I was a bachelor and the cleaning service put the cassette tape because that's what we used back then and mixed it in with my music tapes and for the life of me I couldn't find this tape and did not look through my music tapes, which at the time, music cassette tapes were not being used, and we were tra- transforming into CDs. And it's just ironic that I never went near my box of cassettes. One day, and it was after the trial, and I did turn it over, I'm, going, I'm in a car that didn't have a CD player, and I'm playing my cassettes, and lo and behold, there is the interview. And that's how I discovered it. Here's another thing that doesn't quite sit right with me. He says this is all because of a cleaning service because he was a bachelor. What does being a bachelor have to do with anything if this supposedly happened at his office? Something to think about. I gave it to several people because I just wanted to make its way to Junior, who I lost touch with. Sure. Okay. And I, I gave it to his, his court-appointed lawyer. I think it was James Lynn. Yeah, that's correct. I gave, it to, I gave it to the district attorney whose name was Roger King. 
I gave it to the judge's law clerk, who was Juanita Kid Stout was the judge. I gave it to everybody who wanted a copy. I mean, I really felt bad that I didn't have it at the time. I did testify for him. Right. But, 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 you know, having a tape to corroborate is, is nothing less than beautiful. Yeah. So you, you mentioned his name. Let's talk about Roger King for a second. Talk, talk to me about your relationship with him. Roger King was an excellent prosecutor, uh, big guy, a former football player down in South Carolina. And he would always try to bully you. And I was always humored by it because I don't think I could be bullied. And whatever he would try, I would just smile. And I turned that over because I thought somebody was going to argue after discovered evidence, which means we just came across a piece of evidence that could change the outcome of a case that we uh, used all diligence at the time and would not have been able to retrieve it, which was the definition of that tape. What do you think, Lisa? No. (laughs) Roger King was not an excellent prosecutor. Roger King got a lot of by any means necessary convictions. Many of his convictions have been overturned due to Brady violations, lying, and coercing witnesses. I turned it over five years later. Had I found it a year later, I would have turned it over a year later. There's no reason to wait five years. And uh, I always thought that I would be called as a witness in some sort of a hearing on after-discovered evidence, and I never was, which was disappointing because a lot of lawyers dropped the ball. In the years following the, the trial, Romance MacArthur started corresponding with June. There, there are stacks and stacks of letters that the two of them wrote back and forth. Doesn't and, surprise me because Romance MacArthur, in my opinion, was lying at the trial. I, and, that's a, and that's a shame because I think Emmanuel Rios committed a lot of crimes in his life, but he did not. He was not guilty of that murder. I mean, he was one of the nicest guys I ever met. So Romance, this is, I'm going to use his words here. He says that he was in Roger King's office the morning that he was set to testify he was going to you know, come forward with the fact that he had confessed and, and all this stuff. And that King had bragged that he had you scared to death of losing your law license or being charged for not having ever turned over that tape. Okay. Did King ever threaten you? Not at all. Not at all? It was Roger King being Roger King, <laughs> which was quite effective – He was a bullshitter. And Roger King, not only would he not have the ability to have me lose my license because I didn't do anything that would warrant that, but him and I have never even had a discussion about this. But it's easy to bullshit a guy named Romance MacArthur. We'll pick it up on the other side of this break as we listen to a word from today's sponsors. All right. One, he definitely had this conversation before. And two, Roger King would definitely have been able to have him charged if it could have been proved that he suppressed the tape. So it's basically a prosecutorial way of getting somebody to do something without, without getting in trouble yourself. And I actually applaud him for it. It's good lawyering on the part of the prosecutor. It's not exactly ethical, but, you know, Roger was there to win. <laughs> 
and his win loss record shows that. His his win loss record is something else. I mean, a lot of those are, are being contested these days, but his his record and, does and does does speak. I don't know about those other cases, but I know this one should be contested. Yeah. So knowing but, what knowing what you know about the the case from that time, do you think that at this point today, June and Spanky, Emmanuel Rios and Angel Rodriguez should be exonerated? Should be granted a new trial? Like what? What? What do you think could happen to I to get these guys believe, justice? I firmly believe that you cannot overrule what the jury has done, so you can't exonerate them. But what you can do is afford them a new trial to make a new jury have the tape played and make a rational decision based upon the real evidence. That's what something they're entitled to. Not somebody to dictate that they should go free. That's carrying it too far, and I'm just being fair here. I'm saying that a jury should have all of the evidence available to it. And if they listen to that tape, there will be a different outcome. Okay, Lisa, this is your moment. Uh, When he said, you can't overrule what the jury has done. I may have seen you twitch a little bit. Go off. Mr. Prudo is correct that he alone cannot undo a conviction. However, he was involved in the case. He could coordinate with the Conviction Integrity Unit. He could allow them or ask them to investigate the totality of the case and evidence and support their findings. The answer he gave is political pandering, and it's directed to the Fraternal Order of Police, who is supporting his campaign currently for District Attorney of Philadelphia. He is trying to differentiate himself from Larry Krasner and Krasner's administration's efforts for criminal justice reform in Philadelphia. This is not a good look. Because there was no privilege on the line when you spoke to Romance MacArthur and he gave you the confession, did you have a legal obligation, and if not legal, a moral obligation, obligation to turn that murder confession over to the authorities yes i did and i and i did i would say any lawyer that doesn't feel they have that obligation is nuts yeah you're not, you're not just an athlete you're absolutely nuts yeah how, how could you sit on that but in the immediate following him giving that confession while you were representing june did you have an obligation at that time? Should you should you have turned it over immediately before it ever had a chance to get lost? Well, that's the issue. I can't. Did I have an ob- obligation? Yes. Did I try to? Yes. I couldn't find it. So the 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 amount of time between the recording and it being placed within my music, I don't know because I don't know when it was done. I just know that I figured out that's how it was done. Because it was in with my music, and I would have never put it there. The tape was missing to the point where I have a strong recollection that I searched my office high and low, believing that it would actually burglarized by somebody to get that tape. Uh, I mean, let's let's put it this way: I would bet one billion dollars that I told Roger King that I recorded him, but I couldn't find the tape. Of course, he smiled. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's a prosecutor. Yeah. But did I make the authorities? I mean, 
Roger King was in charge of the case. That's the authority. His attitude was it didn't exist. Right. Honestly, I think that Roger knew that I made the tape, but he relished in the fact that I lost it. And if he knew about the tape, he knew that romance was lying on the stand, which means he, no, he based no, his whole case on leap. perjury. You can't make that leap. Okay. Now, let me explain. Okay. Let me explain. He knew that the tape existed. He knew that I lost it. He knew that was the truth. Now, did Roger have his doubts of my opinion of how strong and emphatic romance was and how casual and how unrehearsed it was? No, he probably thought that I was feeding him what to say or that somebody else fed him what to say. And Roger knew that the tape existed, but I think that it worked to his advantage that it was lost. I really had hoped for more on that perjury line. But the, when he said it worked to his advantage that the tape was lost, you think? Another, another thing, when I brought up earlier that King about King threatening him, and he said, I never even had a conversation about this. And then just a second ago, he said, I bet $1 billion I told King about this. And I was feverishly looking for that thing. I mean, I was leaving no stone unturned and didn't find it because it wasn't in my office. It had been brought back in my bag of music, had been in my car for the longest while in my trunk because, you know, I had a, I switched to CDs. And like I said, when I moved it to a secondhand car, I got it, I called it my beater that didn't play CDs. I start using my tapes again. And that was just the most ironic way to discover it you could ever imagine again not irony but does it does it sound like he's still trying to convince himself of this story anything else you you want to add to this that that um that might help june and and spanky yes. out and that is i hope that justice someday prevails even if they're guilty they certainly they served enough time. I mean, the, the likelihood of them committing another crime at this point is zero. So it might be a to let them out on a, a good faith basis. But but coupled with this tape, you'd at least a minimum give them a new trial, if not let them out. All right, Lisa, where do you want to start? Okay, let me ask. Let me start by asking a question. Let them out on a good faith basis. I wonder how the Fraternal Order of Police would feel about that. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know. The tough-on-crime crowd that he's, he's running for in Philly. Well, I, I, he's not going to win the election. I think, I think we know. That it's been 30 years since a Republican has won in Philadelphia. At this point, I don't know if he knows if he thinks he's going to win still. I can't imagine that he does. But it's also just shocking to me that at this stage in the game, with what we've seen since Krasner came into office in 2018, that someone could literally make comments like this. I hope that justice someday prevail. It's been 33 years. How much longer do you expect Emmanuel and Angel to wait and their families? Romance MacArthur is walking around out there living his best life free as a bird 
and two men, two innocent men, are behind bars being warehoused. It's disgusting. And Peruto knows this because he sat with Romance MacArthur and he got that confession from him that that Romance freely gave. If if anybody should be on the side of, of June and Spanky, it's Peruto. He was directly involved. He, he's been a defense attorney there for, what, 40 years? And you're still going to sit here and say that he hopes some someday justice prevails. Yeah, it's frustrating. All right. Well, we um, we hope you've enjoyed this little sneak peek look at the Injustice podcast and that you take a minute to track us down wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. We got lots of good stuff coming for our first season. Lisa, what do you want to say? To wrap things up today, we'd like to ask you to go to our social media accounts and answer our poll question about what you think Mr. Peruto had to say about this case. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash injustice pod on Instagram at injustice pod and Twitter at injustice underscore pod. We would love to hear what you have to say about this. Please do it. Thanks for listening. This very special Injustice podcast brought to you in association with Death by Incarceration. Thank you to Crawlspace Media. Original music by Bernaldo Rivaldi. Check him out wherever you stream music. Go to InjusticePod.com for more information. Thanks for listening. This has been an Injustice production.